Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, we have a very special guest, Olympian and world champion U.S. water polo goalie, Ashley Johnson, fresh off her gold medal win in Tokyo. Ashley and I talk about both the physical and mental demands of not only being an Olympic athlete, but the first black woman to be on the U.S. Olympic water polo team. She shares her best tips for keeping her mind and body in balance and creating space for herself, even when it may be tough. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome, Ashley. You are a very special guest today. Um, I want to start by just saying congratulations. I mean, I can't imagine what it must feel like winning a gold again, but I'm so happy to have you on. We've been looking forward to this. I'm so happy baby decided to stay in long enough so we could record this episode. Um, But welcome. And again, congratulations. Thank you, Kate. I'm so excited to be here and just have a full conversation with you. Yeah, I'm fingers crossed about baby. <laughs> That's I know. So hopefully, exciting, we don't huh? go into labor right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he'll wait. He'll be good. But I would love for you to just tell a little bit of your story and becoming an Olympic athlete and what's that like and what that was like for you. Yeah, so I grew up in Miami, Florida, which isn't a place that's well known for water polo. But me and my four siblings got into swimming because we grew up with a uh, how in a house with a pool in the backyard. So my mom just like taught us to swim and then put us in a swim program uh, so that we weren't just at home during the summers. And then from there, water polo was a part of that swim program. So. We loved water polo, especially in comparison to swimming. Don't tell any swimmers, <laughs> but water polo is fun. It's dynamic. It's like my family was there. All of my friends were there. And as I stayed in the sport, I realized how fun it was and how much opportunity there was for us to grow and to go to college, to play abroad, to be a part of the national team. So there was just a lot of opportunity. And as opportunity presented itself, I kind of followed and the people who mentored me and were uh, buying for me pushed me towards it. And um, in 2016, I became the first Black woman to represent the U.S. team on the Olympic stage. And that was really cool. That was a cool uh, stopping point to realize like where I fit into the context of kind of aquatics, water polo and It was interesting because when I was younger, a lot of people were telling me how far I could go in the sport and what it meant to be here and all of those things. But I had to take time to understand the context of being Black in aquatics and being a Black woman in aquatics and just the history of exclusion of Black people in this arena before I really could take on that responsibility, welcome that responsibility and carry my communities forward with me in sport. And now fast forward to 2020, 2021, it's really interesting to see how this has kind of like become the centerpiece of my career and a big part of my why, like why I'm here, why I play and uh, who I represent. Yeah, no, that's great. So do you feel like, and I'm curious if it changed from 2016 to now, 
do you feel like an extra sense of pressure with it? Or like, I just would think that would be a lot, you know, like as great as it is, I mean, it's a lot and you have the spotlight on you. It at times it's definitely, um, puts me out of balance and something that I've always needed as an athlete. And as a person is that balance being able to, uh, kind of move freely between realms. So, but I also realize that the pressure that comes from representing a community is a privilege. You know, it's really cool to be one of the first to do anything. And especially understanding the context and the history, it's really important that I'm here and that I'm not the last one that's here. So it's one of those responsibilities that I have the choice. I have a choice to speak on. I have a choice to represent. And I choose to do it because I can, you know, because I'm here. And um, I also realized that I don't have to do a lot to, um, to represent. I have, I don't have to go out of what I'm already doing, even though I do, I can and do step out of that, but everyone has a role in pushing and making progress to create change. And um, I realized that my role is playing at this level, like being the best version of me as an athlete, as a person that I can be. And I don't know everything, you know, I'm still learning. There are a lot of people who know more than me who can speak better to this than I can. And I can only speak to my experience and um, the people who I've directly experienced. I can only represent those. So I realized that while I am holding this responsibility, it's a limited responsibility and I'm not the only one carrying it. So that's a cool realization to have come to. And it kind of mitigates the pressure that I feel. Yeah, no, I love that. It's like, you just need to show up and be you, but also realize there's other people to support you as well. And I think a lot of people can probably identify with that and take off some of the pressure. So is there anything, Ashley, when you're feeling kind of that, like out of balance or like the pressures on that you do to rebalance yourself, recenter yourself and, you know, even just like bring like some calm into your life. Yeah. I find that writing out what's important to me really helps me like literally writing out whether that's in the day, whether that's in a time span, whether that's just like generally my values, writing things out helps me think through it. And um, it helps me get back to what I can focus on, what I can prioritize right now, what I want to prioritize in the next few months. And um, it just helps me reorient myself and get to that balanced place again. Yeah. Just getting it out of your mind and onto paper. I'm big on that too. And that's, it's like, then it just creates more room, right. For that creativity and to think what's next. And that actually kind of leads into my next question of, I'm so curious what it's like when you won a gold medal, do you feel like any sense of, okay, where do I go from here? Because it's the top of the top or does it motivate you? And even with your team members too, does it motivate you even more so to take things to another level? Um, that's an interesting question because when you finish anything, it's a big point for reevaluation and reorientation. So 
winning and completing this process because it's not just about <clears throat> sorry it's not just about the gold medal it's not just about the ending this is the end of a five-year process four-year process usually so there are a lot of ups and downs in that time and it's just like a a huge stopping point for you to evaluate what direction you want to move in next so yeah there's like a lot of media that follows there's a lot of celebration that follows there's a lot of um good things that follow but there's a, definitely a low that follows and like realizing that you're not in the same environment uh training with the like strong 13 women that you train with for five years the 21 women who are surrounding you pushing you that you're growing with who are growing next to you there's like some missing that you know you you miss that environment you miss the push and um, it's a big time for rest as well, which is unusual to feel that like imperative to rest and kind of the space to rest, which is like, it's a huge act of self-care to take that time. But as an Olympic athlete, you're like, I need to be going somewhere. I need to be moving. I need to be working towards something and something big, like an Olympic gold medal. So when you don't have a big goal like that to orient yourself, it kind of feel you feel kind of out of balance. You feel kind of out of whack. So it's a real, you have to take time to understand that your body, your mind, your entire being needs this time to rest and to actually think about what's next. Like I personally try not to move towards anything very big. Like I'm not thinking about, um, I'm not thinking about in a very concrete way, whether or not I want to go for another gold, whether or not I want to re-engage in this process. Like the biggest plan I have in the next few months is to play in Greece in December. Like I'll be playing there for six, six months, but um, going for getting back into the national team and this environment, that's a huge decision. And it's really hard to make that when you're kind of still, um, transitioning from this last quad and transitioning from accomplishing such a huge goal so yeah it's just hard it's hard to think about yeah I'm sure because even when you finished in 2016 how soon after did you have to start practicing again for this past Olympics um I was lucky in a sense after 2016, because I still had a year of college. So that kind of gave me something to do. I was practicing with my college team, but I wasn't necessarily um, practicing with the national team. And I actually took a year off from the national team after college, because I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to experience um, some I wanted to get some work experience. I wanted to see what life was that like without water polo. And I came back because I realized I had more to give. Like I had more to learn. I had more to contribute to this process. And it was really important that I take that time to make that decision and not just kind of flow back into the team because that's what's comfortable. Even though it's really uncomfortable, anyone who trains with our team tells you like, you're growing so much. There's so much happening. You're being pushed so hard. It's an uncomfortable growth process, but I think that a lot of people get comfortable in that, if that makes sense, you oh, know, completely. In the struggle. I mean, yeah. I'm just impressed, Ashley, that at that age, you were able to make that decision for yourself, you know, and it, do you find is 
there, you know, some guiding principle that helps you make those types of decisions or a process you go through? Because I'm sure that was a hard decision to make and take that year off. Yeah, it definitely was a hard decision, but throughout like my college decision, um, being in water polo and swimming when I was younger and now moving forward through life, I realized that I always come back to balance. I always come back to how much can I prioritize and what am I willing to prioritize and how do my values guide me through that? So it's always been about balance and like being a part of the national team, like prioritizing water polo so heavily in my life kind of takes me away from that. But within that, I'm realizing that there's a different kind of balance that I can find. And um, also like what kind of good am I contributing to my team, to the sport, to the world? Like that's a cool perspective that I'm recently gaining through um, friends and family through, yeah, just various discussions. So balance has always been a guiding principle, but it looks different at different moments for me. And as I grow, my definition of balance is evolving as well. I'm sure. And like, like you said, we're all still learning, right? And as we learn more and take in more information, priorities change, right? What balance even looks like changes. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I'm curious too, with the physical demands of training and practice. I mean, you've been doing it for so long too. How, how do you manage that? And are there certain things you do on a daily basis just to have you feeling good? Cause that's one thing I feel like we talk a lot about on this podcast of sometimes we forget about just like the feeling good part. It's like, if we're training yeah. or working out, it's, it's for a goal, right? It's, it's for whether it's an aesthetic goal or a performance goal, but we forget about just like feeling good in our body and not having certain aches and pains, um, just to reach that goal. So how do you deal with the physical demands and what do you do to feel good on a daily basis? Yeah, that's a great question because I can, you can ask my boyfriend, my body hurts like throughout that entire five years, I'm just like, like stretching constantly. (laughs) Like there's just a lot of pain associated with training at that level. But um, our team does a really good job of giving us good access and um, letting us know what resources there are to take care of our bodies. So weekly I get massages, I get uh, physical therapy for shoulder. Shoulders a common overuse injury in water polo because we're just throwing a heavy ball over and over, um, acupuncture, meditation, sports psych. Uh, we work with a sports psychologist, um, journaling, like that's, that's not physical, but the mental ties into the physical and just like my room is almost never clean, but (laughs) cleaning my room is a huge thing for me. Like just having a space where I can breathe and feel organized and, uh, feel safe and just collected is really big for me mentally and physically and just getting enough sleep hydration. Uh, I was like, you're a a dietitian nutritionist, you know, how important balancing sleep and uh, just getting good meals, like making this decision to have a good meal is really, really 
uh, key for me. Like I feel in my body as an elite athlete, I feel the effect of meals immediately. Like I feel what I'm eating and that sounds weird, but I, I really just, it affects my body. Sleep affects my body. Um, hydration affects my body. And in this, uh, in the quarantine period, like when we were all at home, it was really interesting to feel how much I needed to choose exercise, you know, how much I needed to choose to move because in any period within our team, I, I don't know if it's how we train, it's how we get breaks. We usually don't get a lot of time off, but in any period where we do get time off, I'm just like, I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm, my body is resting now and it's usually like a couple days to a week, but like we had months where we weren't doing anything. So I reworked my relationship with exercise and with my body and with nutrition because um, I, I've always had a good balance with nutrition, but going with exercise, looking at how um, it's like all or nothing sometimes for me, it, I realized that choosing to move, choosing to like get my blood flowing was like a really positive decision for me. It was, it really made a difference in how I, like started the day and how I felt at night, how I slept, like it just tied to everything about me. Yeah. You have to, you have to prioritize your recovery, right? And nutrition's a big piece of that, even just for your muscles to recover and same with sleep as well. That's actually when our muscles really kind of repair and like rejuvenate themselves is through good sleep. And you have to be in like those deep stages of sleep, which means you have to be in bed at a decent hour to get those. Um, so I'm curious with that, Ashley, and I'm glad like quarantine gave you some of that time too to make some of those realizations. Cause I'm sure it helped with your performance as well. What's a typical day of eating like for you? And I guess like, how does it differ between a practice day versus a game day. And then like, you know, a day where you're not exercising at all, does it change? What's it, what's it typically like? Like, what are your go-tos? Yeah. So I'll start with a practice day because that's probably my heaviest day. Cause we practice six and a half hours a day, which means two water sessions, a lift session, and maybe just like time at the pool doing video or whatever. So I start with like a a breakfast that's not too heavy, not too light, just so I can have energy for that morning session. And our day is kind of screwed up because we have 7.30 to 10.30 or 11 practice. And then if we finish at 10.30, our lunch is at 10.30. So (laughs) have lunch at 10.30 and that's a, a more heavy meal. That's like a good amount of protein. I uh, have a lot of muscle. So I eat a lot of protein. I eat a lot of carbs. I, at every meal, I have a protein carb and, uh, and veggies, like a lot of veggies. (laughs) And then, um, the lunch has usually been provided by our team. So we have like a training table, which is really nice and convenient because another thing about food when you're training is that when it takes time, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to cook for yourself every night. It's not easy to like find that those hours to spend, like thinking about what you're going to eat. So I usually eat the same breakfast every morning. Um, and what's that usually, having, Ashley? What would you say? I usually have usually like a 
two multi-grain pieces of toast with like a full avocado and um, egg and turkey. Love it. So like every morning. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I never get tired of it because it's like so easy. It just fits right into my routine. And for lunch, like our protein options might be steak, might be salmon, might be uh, chicken. It's, it's like good to keep that variance and um, keep our palates interested because palate fatigue is also really problematic, really hard to get over. And um, I don't eat a lot of red meat. It just hasn't worked well with my body. So I'm more of a fish, uh, tofu, chicken. But then for dinner, I'll try to make like a big meal that will last me a few days. And um, that's also that also looks very similar, like protein, um, chicken, fish, shrimp, like different stuff like yeah. that and kind of a lighter meal. Yeah, Since no, and I'm, I'm, yeah, totally. And I'm so glad you brought up like the carb piece of it too, because something I've always tried to hone in on people is like, you need carbs with your protein to repair your muscle and then also build new muscle. So it's really important that you're getting both of those. And then, like you said, adding in those vegetables too, which will give you some extra carbs, but also like those antioxidants that are going to be so good to just pump through your body. And even like in the mornings, adding your avocado, right? Like getting, it's good. You're adding a whole one with that because it's like getting all those nutrients. And do you find, I'm curious, actually with having that breakfast, then when you practice, do you feel it at all? 100%. Well, I don't feel it. I don't feel like heavy. I found exactly like the amount that I need Mm because I'm And you have to test it out. Yeah. You have to, to like some people could not do a whole avocado before, or you know what I mean? A lot of my teammates can, a lot of my teammates have to have like at most a yogurt, you know, for practice, but that's not enough for me. Like I'll be starving in the middle of practice. So it's about feeling it out. It's about knowing what you need. And in terms of carbs, like Yes, carbs, but yes, complex carbs. So like mm-hmm. sweet potato, getting like your different colors. Like I love the mixed quinoa. I love different types of grains because that makes a difference too in the, the type of energy that you're getting and the type of output that you can give. Well, totally. That's like, um, so if you were to take like, so you have your complex carbs, which come with all those vitamins and minerals, right? So that's going to actually help your body work better versus if you were to have like, let's say like a plain bagel or, um, really any type of refined carb. So anything made with white flour or white sugar, like just even just pasta, not saying that it's terrible to have all the time, but what happens is then your body needs to use your own vitamin and mineral stores to process it. So you can actually lose energy. So I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a huge thing, especially for athletes is yes, you need a lot of carbs, but getting in those complex carbs and you can still find ones that are a little bit lower in fiber if it hurts your stomach when you practice or play, but it's going to make a huge difference energy wise. Yeah. So and I saw something of energy. About. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we work with a, a nutritionist as well and I've grown up with really good food culture. So I'm lucky. Like my mom cooked every meal for us was like very, aware of what we needed. And, um, I would like, I had no problem eating any, anything and just made sure that good food was part of my routine always. But, um, 
having that structure and having the information available to us made a huge difference. And like we eat good food, but supplementation is a big part of our, um, our daily routine too. like getting magnesium, getting vitamin D, getting omega threes. Like it's not always easy to get all of that from food and performing at our level. We need to be hyper efficient with those things and supplements really help with that especially yeah. vitamin D, like we're in the sun mm-hmm. for six hours a day, but like the amount of sunscreen that we put out, we put on uh, kind of messes with the our skin's ability to uh, absorb vitamin D and process uh, that nutrient that we need. Oh, completely. And Ashley, are you aware that the darker your skin pigmentation is, your the way you actually turn vitamin D into the active form, right? Which is what we want it just goes down and down. You know, I, I wasn't aware of that, but I've gotten blood tests that have shown really low vitamin D levels for me. And Mm -hmm. I was like, so confused. (laughs) Yeah. So confused. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, but that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'll send you Ashley. We have a really good, um, video on our naturally well YouTube channel that we did just like a quick blurb, just education piece of it, because most people don't realize it, but yeah, you're right. I mean, most people are low in vitamin D, like you said, because we're wearing sunscreen or we're covered. Um, I mean, all the things that dermatologists recommend for us to do. Um, and then it's also, I mean, it's really hard to get vitamin D through food, but magnesium, I'm glad you brought that one up. That one's huge especially for, I mean, anyone that uses their muscles, which is all of us, but especially athletes. And it's also just great. I always find like, I take it right before bed and I love my, the sleep I get from it. Um, and again, it's just like that total body, like muscle relaxation, but also can help relax your mind too, which they found, which is always a plus (laughs) in my book. Um, I'm glad we touched on supplementation. Let's talk a little bit about hydration. What is that like for you? Do you use electrolytes to improve your hydration? Um, I always find that most people aren't getting in enough salt and that decreases their hydration. So, um, talk to me a little bit about what your routine is like for hydration. Yeah. So I'm all about like really well seasoned food. So I get more than enough salt and I don't, I've as an athlete, like we measure our salt, like the salt in our sweat. So I'm not a salty sweater. So I do well retaining water, but hydration is only something that I've prioritized in the recent past because I realized how much of a difference it made in like literally how my arm moves when I'm hydrated, how like my neck moves when I'm hydrated and like how awake I feel. So I, always have a water bottle with me, always, uh, like a hydro flask with me. Like our whole team has like our cute hydro flasks and just, it's like drinking constantly drinking when we're in the water, which isn't easy. Like you feel like you're hydrated (laughs) because you're in the water swimming, but taking time to have hydration breaks, drinking when you wake up, drinking before you go to sleep. Um, yeah, just, taking those, drinking a full glass with a meal, like those are easy hydration points, especially if you don't like water, water, like drinking water, like getting that hydration in with, um, with a meal is really good. 
and has been really good for me. Um, when I'm traveling, when we're traveling, I definitely use like a noon or a liquid IV because um, there are just less opportunities to drink. There are less, uh, maybe you're sweating more, you're in hotter environments more consistently. Like just in Tokyo, I was all about um, putting liquid IV in my water because it's just humidity coming from California. Yeah. I'm sweating so much more than I'm used to. And I don't even realize how much water I'm losing, but you, you feel it, you know, you feel um, that difference in, in how much water you're retaining. Yeah. No, I'm glad. Oh, totally. Like you were saying, actually, like you almost feel like you were saying, like, I feel it on my shoulder. I feel it on my neck when you're hydrated and like at a good hydration point you do, you almost feel like it just like inflates you. Like it pumps you up. Yeah. You feel lighter. Exactly. And a lot of people think like, oh, well I'll feel swollen. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe at times, but no, it actually like, it's so good for your muscles. And I've noticed, especially during pregnancy, um, I use electrolyte packets just to help me retain water. Cause you're constantly peeing during pregnancy. So like you just can't get enough, but the biggest difference I noticed too, is like, again, going back to energy levels, if there's a day that I do an electrolyte packet versus not huge difference, it almost acts like, and that's what I'll try and, you know, talk to clients about like, we kind of, when you need maybe like that mid afternoon caffeine, or you think you need it, try some electrolytes with your water and see the difference because it does, it just gives you that extra energy. And it's good to know. I'm glad like you brought up, like, you know, it's good to know, are you a salty sweater? Are you not? Which usually you can tell just by licking your own sweat. If you don't have, yeah, you don't have, um, the testing for it, knowing too, and just being mindful, like, are you peeing a lot? Like, even if you're drinking a lot through the day, throughout the day, are you going to the bathroom a lot? means that means you're not retaining it. And that's where you're, you probably should increase your salt. Um, and that's where too, like, we've gotten so scared of seasoning our foods because salt's always just had such a bad reputation, but now most people are actually deficient in sodium and it's causing a lot of problems with that. So, you know, there's a whole gamut of stuff with hydration, but I feel like, and I feel like I'm always talking about it on this podcast, but I'm glad to hear you say how much of an effect it has on you because it really can just change. And like we were saying, just one of those like feel good moments as well. Um, I know Ashley, we talked a little bit about the mental health side of it and like how, you know, you love just like getting things on paper and journaling a bit. What do you ever get burnt out? And if so, you know, we were saying like coming back to that balance, but are there other things you do to kind of train your mental health side of it? You know, we talk about training your physical side, but what about the mental health piece? One of the biggest things that has challenged my mental health over the past two or three years has been my relationship with my phone, like being on social media, just Mm -hmm. like kind of looking at my phone for no reason and like having to post, having to do all of these things and kind of taking it as a job or like also when it's not a job, just looking at it for no reason. (laughs) And I found that that's where I get most burnt out. You know, that's where I need a break because with training, like there's very rigid structure there. Like 
we have our, we have the ways that we train. And outside of that, like I create space for myself. I make my room the way I want it. I light candles. I meditate. I just am able to rest in the space that I've created, but the one intrusive piece in my space is my cell phone. And it's like, I'm constantly trying to find a balance with how much I'm using it, how much I'm interacting with friends on it and how much I'm just like staring at it and not really doing anything. And when I feel burnout with that, I kind of just go all or nothing, you know, I'm like, I'm not looking at my phone for two days, you know, I'm not looking at anything. I'm not checking anything. And with that, I'm still working to find what is really good for me, what's really working for me, because it's hard. Like our cell phones are huge parts of our lives now. And um, just being on it, like being active on it as an athlete, as a person operating in this world, you need to be aware, you need to be apprised. This is like our news, our news about our friends, our news about our world. And um I'm just working continually to find the balance with that. Yeah, no, it's so easy to just passively, right? Like hit Instagram, scroll around. And I was just listening to a podcast um, the other week and they brought up a really good point about we've just become so accustomed as a society to constantly be entertained, whether it's TV, whether it's our cell phones, Um, and kind of, it's like that go mode mentality too, but what that does is it takes away the time for us to be creative and let our mind wander. So they were doing a study where it's like, you know, most people's minds just aren't wandering as much. And that's when like your mind wanders when you come up with ideas and you're able to create your own thoughts and opinions, which is probably another issue with social media because a lot what of what were you listening to? In. I know I actually like I, I have this. to find I have to find it. Um it was a podcast. Um do you let me to I'll send Brin? it to you. No, I don't. Okay. Is that a good one? Yeah, I feel like uh they were talking about the same like it's there's no the same space study. for okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's just so interesting. In, and I, I started to actually think about it. Like when I'll just, I mean, I'm still passively going on my phone, but I will think about like, wait, let me just let my thoughts run wild and see what comes up. And usually something comes up sometimes nothing great, but <laughs> it's just giving your brain that space, especially I'm sure for you, Ashley, like you said, this is like reevaluation time for you. Yeah. And that's what I've liked about uh, meditation. We work with our sports psych and learn about like creating space in your mind and uh, control it using your breath as a cue to create that space. And it's cool because like, when are you ever thinking about nothing, you know, when are you yep. ever, and it's cool as a sports tool, but it, I think it's a life tool, a life tool because there's just sometimes where your mind is just going and going for no reason. And it's like all of these things that seem really important. And if you just stop, it's, it's like that space is more important. You need to like, all of these thoughts are just thoughts, like let them go and like, whatever is important will stick. And there's time for that. But (laughs) I feel like, yeah, that space needs to be prioritized. I'm curious what, 
what was it like for you getting into meditation? Was it easy or, cause I always find from clients they are like, Oh, like how, do, like, how do I do this? How do I start? Do I have to be meditating for 30 minutes to an hour? It's always this, like, I feel like it's this big cloud over their head that they're trying to, like, they want it to be, you know, bright and sunny, but they just can't get into it. So how is it getting into meditation and any tips you have for people to stick with it? Yeah, it wasn't easy for me at all. And when I take time away, it's it's hard for me to get back into it as well. But every time I go back, I realize how beneficial it is for me. And it does exactly what I need it to, you know, it creates that space in my mind. So I am like your clients. It is not easy. And trying to make it easy is hard. It makes it harder. But our team actually went on a silent retreat. So we practiced meditation for about a year leading up to this. And then we did a silent retreat for seven days where we, it was hard because we went with people we knew and we were just like, don't make eye contact. (laughs) Don't speak to each other. Like think about your habit loops and work through them. (laughs) It was, it was really hard. And that was especially difficult for me because I feel like that's the type of thing you have to opt into personally. And It's like when you're a part of a team, it's everything's kind of imperative. It's like teams doing it. So you need to do it. But I can say that it was very beneficial. Like it was being forced into doing something like that was really an interesting experience in like working with your mind because everything was telling me not to participate, but like I'm at a silent retreat and I know the benefits that can be gained for my mind and for me personally. So I was like, okay, now this is like a test you need. And I love challenge. (laughs) It was like, you need to find a lesson within this. You need to like participate and really work to take on the lessons, you know, even though it was really hard to be silent for a whole, like, for seven days straight. <laughs> and with like you really said, people you know and that you probably yeah. want to like be chatting with. No, that's that's so interesting. I mean, that makes me so happy that they're doing things like that though. Yeah, right. No, it's, it's also really just cool. challenging you in other ways and how to overcome those challenges. That's really, that's really special. And I'm curious, Ashley, like with meditation, how did you finally get in a groove with it? Like I know for me, the only way it works is if I do like a five to 10 minute meditation, I can't go longer than that. Or it just, I won't do it daily. And sometimes like I have periods where I don't do it for a couple of days and I have to come back to it. But what have you found works for you to keep it more consistent? I've really loved working with an app. Um, and within the app, there's like a reminder, you know, maybe take some time, you know, take that. And five to 10 minutes is really good sometimes, you know, and actually I go with how I feel when I start the meditation. I don't, I don't plan for a certain time because the time kind of inhibits me. It takes me away from what I want to do. It, it, if I say, okay, I'm going to do a 30 minute meditation right now. I'm not really going into it with the right mindset. I'm not really, But like, if I open the app and I'm feeling it, then I'll just like, I'll just sit with it. You know, I'll just go into it. But 
getting into a groove, I, I really haven't had a very consistent practice. Um, it's more when I need that space, I find that space. I use meditation to find it. But um, I think that now passport, it's going to, or past this quad, it's going to be really important for me to have a more regular practice and easier for me as I build my own routine to find whether that's five to 10 minutes, whether that's 20 to 30, that space and create that space for me at the beginning, at the end, or wherever it falls in my day. Yeah, no, I love that. I've, I've even found something that's been so helpful is doing walking meditations. Cause I can like do my morning walk which also gets like my brain flowing and creativity flowing. And then you have the meditation and you are, you're just like on like cloud nine, especially if you're doing like an inspiration meditation, it just feels so good. But knowing too, like if, you know, there are people listening that just the act of like sitting and not doing anything scares them about meditation. It's like, start with walking meditations or, you know, start with something like that you can also be doing at the same time but you're still creating that space for your mind. You don't have, you're not also looking at Instagram during your meditation. That's not part of meditation. Um, but the guided meditations help so much. Yeah. And also realizing that there's meditation and movement, not just like yep. walking, but like, if you like yoga, there's very intentional practices that you can engage with that um, train your mind at the same time as it trains your body. And I've also realized how much like sitting meditations translate to how I move in the water. Like, I don't know if you swim, but swimming is a very meditative, like movement. It's a very repetitive and um, it, there's just so much room for your mind to work in that. And that's a cool realization to have come to because yeah, you're right. You don't need to be stagnant to be meditating, working with your mind. Exactly. I'm curious, Ashley, how do you have a routine, whether it's for practice or games to like get in the zone? I don't. (laughs) I actually around waterfall, I try not to build too much routine for myself because our team has pretty good structure built in and I don't want to like have to do anything to like get into a certain mind state, you know, like I, I definitely warm up physically. I'm warmed up. I do some reaction drills to kind of get my, like my timing, right. And review players and stuff. But, um, outside of that, I, there's not like a certain soundtrack or that you have to listen to or anything like that. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, I think that's great too, because sometimes I feel like whatever people use to get in the zone can sometimes be a crutch. And if for some reason, like, let's say like that soundtrack isn't working that day or, I mean, you guys are traveling. This song isn't making me feel what I want to feel. Then it's like, there's no way I can get there. Otherwise there's no. Exactly. So I like to have the route open to get in the zone, to get in that mindset. And I get a lot of energy from the people around me. I get a ton of energy from my teammates And that's what I've loved about being a part of the team. I think I'm always going to be into group fitness and like things that involve community and uh, 
building something together because I get so much energy from seeing to working towards something with a group of people. And yeah, I just think that's really cool too. And that's a big piece, Ashley, of like scientifically of that happiness part that we were talking about earlier, like health and happiness, uh, the community aspect and social aspect. We had a really, we had a really good recording, um, with Mike Viking, it's coming out soon. And he actually runs the happiness research Institute in Denmark. And Uh. he talks all about like, you know, basically what makes people happy. And then also like, what can deter you from being happier but it's so interesting because he goes like all into the science. Um, but we talk a lot about like community and socialization and obviously like that was tough with COVID too, but we also found new ways to socialize. Yeah. But that's a big part of just like having that community. Um, I'm curious before we wrap up, are there any other like daily wellness non-negotiables that you practice that we didn't cover? Daily wellness, non-negotiables. Um, I, well, my skincare is a uh, 100% always in my routine. Always like on trips, everyone knows that like I have my serums, I have my moisturizers, my body lotion, um, connecting with my family. My family hasn't been close to me in a long time, like physically. So finding the ways to connect with them and just, I call my mom every day. I am always in conversation with my sister, like whether that's over text over FaceTime. Um, And yeah, just keeping my space calm and centered. That's, that's really this, I have, we travel a lot. So in this year and a half, this two years where I've gotten to be home and kind of create a home, I've realized how important um, just having like the candles I like and the lighting I like and my comfy couch and just a good space for me to be me and have space from other people. And like, I'm super extroverted, but I'm also like someone who needs my own space and time for myself. But other than that, I think those are my dailies. Yeah. I mean, we covered a lot, Ashley. (laughs) You have a lot, but that I love that too. It's like, you need, I mean, everyone needs that home space. Exactly. And I feel like sometimes we, if we are in that GOMO mentality, we try to tell ourselves we don't. Yeah. And that's actually one thing with COVID. I do think a lot of people realized how much they do need it. Like at first they were panicked, like, Oh, I can't go here. I can't go there. And then when they actually got to sit in their space, now people are dealing more so with the anxiety of getting back into real life. Yeah. Um, that's why it's about balance, but yeah, totally. Yeah. Because I swear, like if you get too into one thing, you can't do the other thing. And then if you're too into that, you feel like fear, like fear is like bread in the extremes. It's so interesting to see how people's anxieties are developing um, or being like, you know, like, I I don't know. I just, I feel like a lot of people have been really leaning into or really developing different anxieties in this time. And it's just hard to deal with it because you've never experienced that before to the degree that you experience it. And like, 
and it's it's cool to see how people have created safe spaces for themselves and we'll move into the next phase of uh reopening our world and re-engaging with society and re-engaging with their family and friends in a close and uh physical way because I know that people have missed that like it's been Mm -hmm. really hard to be away from that but there's been a certain sense of safety and um creating like a safe space within yourself and not having that. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see how people work with it. Yeah. I feel like I've been talking a lot about recently with, you know, with clients that are feeling that anxiety is, you know, because everyone is eager to like be social again and get to see their friends, which is such an important aspect. Like we were saying of people's happiness, Yes, but it's learning how to fit in and protect yourself and learn when to say no to certain social yes. engagements. Yeah. And saying no is a big self-care is, for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure, especially yeah. Ashley, like right now when everyone's <laughs> probably like poking and prodding you and trying to, you know, interview you and how do you decide what to say no to? I'm really learning to listen to myself and, uh, that's part of understanding my goals and my values, but my body tells me when I can't do something, you know, my mind tells me when, um, like I'm overwhelmed and learning to say no was hard because obviously like, I want to do everything. I want to be a part of a lot of things. I want to do like all the cool things, but sometimes it's just too much. Sometimes it, it just doesn't make sense for me personally even if it might make sense to someone else who thinks that they know best for me. And I will always take others, um, the the people who are close to me's advice very closely, but I also, like your body has advice that it's giving you constantly and feedback that it's giving you on um, the decisions that you're making and the things that you're opting into. So it's really important. Gut check, right? Yeah, the gut check. You can not opt the out. Mind you can't check. say no. Not the, <laughs> the mind, mind check. check will tell you to do everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Ashley, this has been so great. Um, we love to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q and a. So like first thing that Ooh. comes to mind, um, just spit it out. What is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Um, listening to music. Love it. Any favorite like artists or playlists right now or anything? Um, I always go back to Sam Smith and Adele. Like I love big voices, ballads. Um, right now I'm listening to, what am I listening to? Whenever I get this question, I can never remember. I'll get back to you. Yeah, no, you know what? Sam Smith and Adele are, are good with me. Um, coffee or tea or neither? Coffee. Okay. Do you put anything in your coffee or straight black? I have coffee with oat milk. Yum. Yeah. Um, what about, this is like always my favorite question because I always get like recipe ideas. What's your favorite home cooked meal? It doesn't have to be something you make. It could be something your mom makes or a relative, but just favorite home cooked meal. If you could have anything. My favorite home cooked meal is a combination of two meals. So my mom makes this Jamaican curry, chicken curry. Mm. And one time she made it with 
um, pot pie, like she made the pot pie curry. And it was absolutely incredible. And that's what I'm going to ask her to make when I go home. (laughs) But it's so good. I love it. Oh my gosh, Ashley, you should ask her to like send you, like make them and freeze them and then send you a few. (laughs) Yes. And I'll take them with me everywhere. I was going to say, or when you're home, be like, oh, let's make a couple and then just (laughs) ship them back with yourself. (laughs) Oh, that sounds so good. Oh my God, good. Just any good like chicken pot pie. But then when you throw that curry in the mix, it's like so good. Just so comforting. Like there's something about just those spices and no matter what time of year it is, it's just straight comfort. It's comfort food. And that's what I grew up on. So I'm like, give me that Jamaican curry. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, Ashley, thank you so much. Um, You know, I'm sure a lot of people know, but where can people find you connect with you um, and just learn more and, and get more inspiration? I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. My handle is at the Ash Johnson. So follow me, learn about me. I'm so excited. I got to talk to you today, Kate. That was really fun. This has been a great conversation and yeah, maybe soon to be on TikTok. Who knows? (laughs) I know. I haven't dove into that either, Ashley. I'm like, it's almost like I have this fear of another social media. Yeah, me too. I don't even watch it. (laughs) Me neither. Staying away. (laughs) Yeah. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. And hopefully we can connect again soon. Great to talk to you. I really liked what Ashley said about when she feels the pressure to remember that there are other people to carry that weight with you and know that you're not alone in anything you do. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.